To the measure of a fan, a Star Trek podcast in which three nerds watch all of Star Trek in chronological order, one of them experiencing it all for the very first time. My name is PJ Montgomery, and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Yo. And our resident Star Trek first timer, Elliot Red. Hello, everybody. Did you hear how that yo just tripped Patrick up slightly? <laughs> it, it really did. He's a very free talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this young people slang. <laughs> What's next? The TikTok? <laughs> I mean, I've been told that if we want to grow the podcast, we should get on the tickety talk, but I don't really understand it. Weirdly, so. I made my first TikTok video today. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just me with like a Renaissance face, but with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a TikTok video, yeah. <laughs> it was. Maybe I need to update the links in our descriptions to include Matt's tickety-tock presence then. Hey, I thought of something. Uh, oh! This is um, this is a, uh, a, a think piece uh, for, for you both. If there's an episode of Star Trek that runs backwards in time, would we have to watch it in reverse? So, like, if the episode starts at the end... Yeah, so like, say if it's like, you know, Memento, where it's all like, <laughs> out of sync. Ah, right. The answer is no, because we're not the Temporal Trek podcast. Uh, for anyone aware, Temporal Trek, uh, it's a great podcast, I recommend it. They are watching Star Trek in chronological order, but they're doing it actual chronological order, so they've already watched all, everything that has happened, all the time travel stuff that happens in the past, right up to the beginning of Enterprise from all the shows. And then, like, for example, the episode where T'Pol tells the story about her Vulcan grandmother living in the 1950s. They've already watched the 1950s stuff, but they have not done the stuff on the Enterprise, which is boring conversation yet. That is wild. Whoa. Yeah, I thought maybe that would be too much for Elliot to handle. Yeah, that's like, um, yeah, you have to have seen it already to do that. I was going to say, that's like the Boolean method of this, but I don't really know what Boolean method means. It's just a term I hear sometimes thrown around when applying logic to data. And I just feel like, yeah, that's the Boolean method that they're doing. We're not. We're doing like the uh, the straight up sort of, you know, like an older fashioned way of, of watching television by watching the episodes episodically. Because <laughs> we're crazy. Before we get into this week's episode... We're recording this on the day that our episode about the episode Stigma with Joe Glass came out. And we had quite a good response to that on Twitter. A few tweets that I feel like we need to address. So Dan from Academic Trek, who we all know, who's been on the show, tweeted that he felt a little bit strange today 
because Measure of a Fan was surprisingly positive about Star Trek Enterprise. Ah. I said, you know, see, we can be nice about things, and he said it won't last, so... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people get us wrong. Like, there's a lot that we enjoy about Enterprise. There's just some of the episodes we don't enjoy. We always enjoy the excellent performances by... like, And I'm I'm not being sarcastic here either. I love a lot of these guys, and I love what they put into these roles. It's just that often they are not given a lot to eat. I am consistently enamored and charmed by the cast of this show and i really hope that they had fun making it because like you know shit happened afterwards and then this aged as it did but yeah it i it really doesn't matter like it all that matters is that they had fun making it and they all seem like cool people and you know whatever (laughs) it is what it is at this point yeah fuck them that's what i say (laughs) (laughs) fuck them all for having a nice time (laughs) no but seriously yeah they're they're all good they're all good gang it's just even no matter how crap this show is it is fun to go back and go through it like this and the thing is another thing just to kind of like you know i don't want to kind of drag this out for too long but like Scott Bakula is one of my childhood heroes. I have given him so much shit as Captain Archer. <laughs> but I, I actually love him. <laughs> we're, we're, to be, let's be honest here. All we're doing is we're trying to backtrack a lot so that we get invited on Dominic Keating and Connor Trenier's <laughs> new Star Trek podcast as guests. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> they, they know about the poo. They, <laughs> nobody who's worked on the show doesn't know that Malcolm had to clean the poo. They just listen to our podcast and we're like, these fuckers, we'll show them. <laughs> <laughs> started their own podcast. No, Elliot, I don't think they've listened to our podcast. Oh, if, the, we haven't had any lawsuits yet, so yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting tweet I wanted to bring up, uh, obviously Stigma was the episode that dealt with uh, HIV and swinging (laughs) vin jordan on on twitter said it's always clunky watching shows trying to deal with issues of the time as inevitably they're still trying to work out the language discovery is much the same with their approach to trans issues they do their best but the language of the issue is always difficult at the time which i think is an interesting point to raise that we didn't really make yeah yeah absolutely this is this is definitely an interesting point and what I'm going to say about Discovery here, like I haven't seen any of the new series because this whole changing it over to a different channel thing, which I, I don't give enough of a shit about Discovery, if I'm totally honest with you, to, to, to catch up with it until we have to. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot about Discovery I do like, but I, I actually found it really, really weird when the trans character was introduced, how that's not just a very normal thing. Like I know, I know what they're doing. They're trying to say, hey, crusty Star Trek fans, this is a trans character. This is how we interact with this person. You know, get used to it because, like, a lot of you are dragging this shit down with your anti-trans agenda. You know, I'm all, I'm there, all there for it. But at the same time, it's all, it's also like, oh, that's funny. I, I didn't get your pronouns right. And then I, they don't do this, but they might as well be like, what's a pronoun? Ah, well, actually, and then they explain it. I, I just feel like that, you know, that point in history, they should just know those things, you know? But I get why yeah. they're doing it. It's just a yeah. weird in the context of the show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The final tweet I want to mention came from someone we've heard from before. It's at Spence the Ghost. And uh, she says that 
I'd forgotten how well written some of the some of the episode was. Stigma. Flox should have used Reddit like the rest of us, as you can't keep much from a Vulcan GP. <laughs> now I haven't replied to Spence the Ghost on Twitter because I wanted to raise this with you guys. What is Reddit? Uh, Reddit is my and um, this is a controversial point here. My favorite social media. Did you ah. really just ask what Reddit is? Oh my god! I don't Patrick. really know. I've, it's been I've been linked to it a few times and I've gone on it, but I don't understand it. Elliot, the thing, the important thing to remember here is that although Patrick is your brother, for the context of popular culture, he's your dad. So <laughs> <laughs> Reddit is like Instagram with words instead of pictures. That's Twitter. <laughs> no, no, There's Twitter no is um, Twitter is Facebook comments without pictures. Yeah, or maybe pictures. I don't know. Facebook comments as statuses. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Reddit is actually a fairly interesting site. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I mean, you can delve into a horrific, toxic hellhole, but you can on Twitter and Instagram too. I know I've seen them all. Yeah. But like, I, I, I have a, like a, a secret Reddit because I didn't want it to be like connected to my life. I just wanted to go on there and like bitch about things. <laughs> and there's some like really interesting. There's a, a Star Trek group called the Daystrom Institute which talks about quite complex and involved topics around the show. So, you know, like, again, like, the, so, like they might talk about the trans issue uh, in, in Discovery and, and, you know, sort of how they've uh, sort of addressed certain parts of that, or they might talk about, you know, technology or the organization of Starfleet. It, it's really, you know, a proper sort of nerdy, in-depth sort of place to, to chat about the show. So, yeah, there are lots of cool things on Reddit. I can't believe we are doing a podcast about what Reddit is. Well, we shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm telling you that. Well then, let's uh, let's move on and, and deal with the main topic of conversation for today's episode, which is the episode of Enterprise Future Tense, which was written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, directed by James Whitmore Jr., and first aired on the 19th of February, 2003. And we open with the Enterprise finding a small wreck adrift in space. And it's not me. No, no, it's not you. <laughs> I think they'd probably just ignore you if they saw you floating in space. No, no, I think that'd be quite interesting. <laughs> Would flocks be able to identify what life form you are? Yeah, or? they'd be like, what's this big man doing just floating in space? <laughs> Dead as can be. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd realise that you had done a podcast slagging them off for, <laughs> for ages. And they'd find me out of the torpedo tubes. <laughs> The, the shipwreck has no life signs. They are struggling to scan the hull. They can't see any weapons fire. So Arch is like, well, do you know what? Let's just be reckless and bring it in. Fuck it. Yeah. Classic Archer. Yeah. I don't know what it's like <laughs> to be the captain of a spaceship. I don't, I don't have that experience behind me. <laughs> so I can't really I can't really speak from any kind of, you know, authority or, or anything like that. But just personally, I would have put somebody to observe it for a little bit, maybe just ten minutes. Just uh, I'll just watch it for ten minutes. I'll be back in. I'll be back in ten minutes. Tell me if it does anything. Yeah, like shoot a grappling hook at it and give it a shake and see what happens. Yeah, hook it with a stick, <laughs> Barry. Go on. Like loads of snakes <laughs> shoot out of it. But they don't do any of that. They just bring it on board, crack it open, and then Archer has a Norman Bates moment with the corpse sitting in the front. <laughs> yes. Oh, just a, a, a slight backtrack here as well, Elliot. I know you've never been a spaceship captain. Did I tell you guys I got to be a spaceship captain at the end of last year? 
When what? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm friends with Jeff Bezos, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I got I got uh, I got cast in a, in a small production of a uh, of, of a radio show, which I don't actually know the final title of. But I got to play the spaceship captain. Uh, I'm called. My name is Captain Pickens, and I don't think the spaceship was ever actually named in the show. But yeah, it was good fun. I, I got killed. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, I was captain of a ship for all of forty minutes. <laughs> anyway, sorry again. I'm derailing the story with my own with my own weighty life problems. But technically, your record <laughs> your record beats Kirk's dad's record. Hey, that's right. Yeah, fuck you, Kirk's dad. <laughs> 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 and I actually worked my way through the ranks to get that role as well. It wasn't just thrust into that position. In 40 minutes? Well, you know, there was backstory. <laughs> you didn't go method and actually enlist in, in some kind of academy then? Or no, no, die. the Space Force weren't interested in me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> they said I had a big mouth. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, they found uh, Mrs. Bates in the front of this, this spaceship. Uh, take Mrs. Bates to sick bay, and Flock says, "It's quite interesting. Norman's mind has fractured. <laughs> Norman's mind has fractured. For some reason, I know. I know you. My brain went. Oh, Norman Bates. But before it went to Norman Bates, it went to Norman from Fireman Sam, <laughs> which, if anybody doesn't know out there, is a very old English show about a Welsh firefighter. And Wait, now what?" <laughs> It's a it's a very old Welsh show about a Welsh firefighter. <laughs> yeah. Nah, and that doesn't make any sense. The most important thing about Fireman Sam is that his his best mate in the fire service there was called Elvis and was an Elvis impersonator. And at some point in the show, he suffered traumatic head injuries because he went from being a fireman who was a uh, an Elvis impersonator to the fireman that burnt down the fire station. Which, if you don't know anything about firefighting, is the golden fucking rule. <laughs> I mean. One, I think all our UK listeners will be aware of Fireman Sam. Two, I I was not up on the Fireman Sam canon. I didn't realise that 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 had happened. So yeah, Elvis went from being a, a, an Elvis impersonator to a blithering imbecile who burnt down his own fire station and wow. remained a fireman somehow. Is that still going? Yeah, yeah, it's all computers now, and uh, they moved Pontapandi to be by the sea, so it's like called Pontapandi on Sea now. You can't just move a town. I think that they like basically they burned down so many buildings in the old town they just kind of uprooted what was left <laughs> and took it to the seaside. <laughs> anyway, Flox is examining the alien or well, not alien, turns out it's a human. Flox is examining the human body and going, Yep, this is human. And they start they're gonna test it. There's no inhabited systems around for for light years, and the Enterprise is currently the furthest out any human vessel has been. Archer Starts going. Oh, have we found Zephram Cochrane? Because he disappeared. Did Elliot? Did this mean anything to you? Yeah, it meant that man. That you have no idea who that man is, do you? That man from my robot. Oh, James Cromwell, inventor of the warp drive, Zephram Cochrane. So, what I quite like, and and what I quite like here, and this is the first time I've ever thought, ah, oh, actually, watching Enterprise first has worked for us in this instance, is that Elliot. Remember this. They are setting something up that will pay off for us down the line. Wait, remember what Wait, specifically? That they've just mentioned Zeph and Cockrum. Th- there's a mystery about his disappearance. Okay, right. 
because obviously long-time Star Trek fans had already seen the resolution, but it's quite nice that Enterprise bothered to do this, I think. Yeah. Is it this bit where they mention the Vega colony, or is that later with Admiral Forrest as well? I think that's with Admiral Forrest. Oh, right, okay, I'll show up about that for now anyway. Well, we'll we'll, we'll try and get to that scene quickly for you. So uh, <laughs> we go back to the hangar where the ship is, and everyone's analysing it. It's absorbing EM radiation... Uh, it could be a stealth ship, they decide, and no power source that they can find. Then Admiral Forrest calls Archer, and they mention the Vega colony. And that's actually quite interesting, because Vega is a real star system, and it is, I believe, 25 light years from Earth. Uh, well, from the Sol uh, Sun, anyway, I should say. Uh, and it's like a, it's a big kind of, I think it might be a red giant. It's a bigger star, at least, than our, than our star. But I'm sure, isn't there like a point... This might actually just be noted in the Enterprise Bible as opposed to like being something that's mentioned in a show. But there's a thing that says at warp two, only 18 inhabited planets were there in a year's travel of Earth. So that would make it about eight light years distance around Earth at warp two uh, would be how far you could get out. And there I think are maybe four stars in that region, one of which is Proxima Centauri, the most famous, the closest star to us. Hmm. Wolf 359, a very significant star uh, in, in Star Trek canon for, for later on. And I think Barnard's yeah, remember star that. as well. Yeah, remember, Wolf 3, remember Wolf 359, we're giving you lots of homework. <laughs> I have literally zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this Vega colony is interesting because it is super far away. If if it's 25 light years from Earth, even though we've, we've been to Kronos and back, which is you know, in all accounts, bullshit that could never have happened with the, uh, you know, in four days with the with the warp drive that they have. But yeah, so if they if it is this Vega colony that's come around, obviously we know it's not. That's a pretty big deal. That's that's all I want. I, I'm here to say just a bit of science for you. Vega always annoyed me because with the claws and the climbing up the fence, and mm. I could never beat him. Annoying, um, annoying character in Street Fighter Two, and um, famously they're famous for their diet as well. The the vegan diet. But apart from that, there's nothing about them. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Archer says to Admiral Forrest, "Hey, I think it might be Zephram Cochrane." And Admiral Forrest says, "Wow, that'd be really cool if we could solve that." They're both going to be very disappointed very quickly. Yes, I had a feeling it wasn't because Archer says after he says, uh, "Oh, you may have just solved one of the great biggest mysteries." A thing, and Archer's like, "Oh, well, if we didn't, we just discovered one." Da, da, da. And I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's not. It's the. It's the other one. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Trip and Malcolm are examining inside the ship, and they find a hatch which has some like organic circuits, and they go, "Oh, maybe we should get Flocks to examine these." And then they just start pulling random switches, which made me think, "You don't know this ship. You don't know what to do." To arm the self-destruct mechanism, yeah. why are you pressing random buttons? I used to have a clock radio, right, which had a CD player <laughs> on it. And yeah. down the side of it, it had four buttons. One was play, one was stop, and then there was one to skip forward and one to skip backwards. But between those, there was the AM radio button. So if you randomly, like, reached out in the dark and pressed that button, it would blast your ears with, like, super loud static until you, like, managed to get everything under control. <laughs> they, they could have done that to themselves. They could have hurt themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they could have blown up the entire Enterprise. Yes. 
instead they just open a door and it turns out motherfucking TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> this oh, yeah. bit made me really fucking angry. <laughs> they they specifically <laughs> reference Doctor Who with the wording here as well. Well, according to Mike Sussman, one of the writers, uh, he did make a joke in the writers' room about having it turn into a phone box at some point, and everyone else told him to fuck yeah, off. Fuck yourself, <laughs> Sussman. Yeah, this really bugged me. It's just like it's. I guess at the at that point in time, it was not really on TV yet. Doctor Who. Uh, no, this was this was two years before Doctor Who came back. Yeah, so. I guess it's kind of okay because it's like from a long dead show. If if Doctor Who had been on the air simultaneously, this would have been a cheesy fucking reference, and they could have eaten their own asses about it. But okay, I'll, I'll allow it on the on that grounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and of course, now that they found a big ladder leading down to where it couldn't possibly go, because you know, bigger on the inside, they go, oh, let's drop a spanner down it, and then just go in it. Let's just go in it and not tell anyone. <laughs> Brilliant. Yep. I, mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I, at this point, I was interested, but I was also kind of like, what? 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 Ah, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> As I often am with Enterprise. <laughs> I think that's kind of how Trip and Malcolm often feel about each other as well. <laughs> yeah. One of them is always getting the other into trouble. Yeah, they do a lot to forward plot with their... With their Burkish schemes. <laughs> <laughs> they find another chamber down at the bottom of this ladder, which has a kind of energy signature in it, and they're poking around. And then we cut back to the bridge, and a Suliban ship drops out of warp. So now we already know this is temporal Cold War bullshit, and we're already less interested than we were ten seconds ago. Yes. The Suliban hail the Enterprise and say, oh, that ship you've got in your hold... That's ours. We claimed salvage on it. We found it. And Archer goes, well, you know, you weren't here. I found it. And it's an Earth ship. Up yours. Yeah, he doesn't. He just kind of says, well, screw you. I'm going to try and take it from you, I guess. This is the, the whole Suliban thing again, isn't it? And it's just kind of like it's done in such a way that nobody has any fun. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The uh, the Sudaban ship opens fire on the Enterprise, and then this obviously leads the ship to rock, which leads to the TARDIS inside the ship to rock, which means Trip and Malcolm are, hey, we'll pull this gadget out of the wall and hope that also doesn't explode everything, and then we'll just climb up here, and oh look, we've been attacked by two Sudaban who've managed to beam into the cargo hold. Yeah, and then we get some more of Malcolm firing a gun. <laughs> and I've got to say, for a, a military man... He holds a firearm like he has had about 10 minutes of training and then was told to figure the rest out. Elliot, they're not going to invite us on their podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I would love to just lie right now and say that he looked cool <laughs> holding that gun, but he <laughs> didn't. I hope he had so much fun holding the gun, but he didn't look cool. <laughs> There's... There's a very good reason why he looks like he'd only been holding that gun for 10 minutes uh, or to be uh -huh. trained for 10 minutes. It's because I think that literally everybody on the ship only had about 10 minutes training. Remember <laughs> everything that's happened up to this point? <laughs> he does He does shoot one of the Suliban, so that's, that's good. Yep. Good for him. But then 
Trip Trip gets knocked out, and the other Sudaban goes hides in the launch bay and is trying to open the door so the Sudaban can nick the ship. Classic Sudaban. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> what else can you say about these bad guys? Like honestly, nothing <laughs> to them. Absolutely let's, let's... nothing. Somebody said to me the other day that the Sulaban remind them of like a lamppost that's had a load of chewing gum stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't unsee that now and it makes me feel slightly queasy. <laughs> you get a slight mint scent. When uh, the <laughs> it wasn't even Silic. At least if it was Silic, we'd have had some fun camp villainy, but it was just this guy. Yeah, like Sulaban 2. <laughs> Yeah, and they came with their crap ship because the Enterprise just fires once, disables their weapons, and they leg it. I don't understand the Sulaban ship stuff. Yeah, they say it wasn't even a weapon ship. Yeah, like, who's making these things? Why do they look like bins? And why are they sometimes <laughs> capable of damaging the Enterprise, and why other times are they not? Yeah, yeah, it is able to just beam the two Sulaban that were on the Enterprise out, and then they just leave and cloak, and Travis goes, oh, we lost them, and then Archer says, no, 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 we've got that scanning device that can detect cloaked Sulaban ships, so use that, and then Travis goes, oh, yeah, uses it, and they find it and blow it up. None of that happens, they forget they can do that. Conveniently. <laughs> I was like, this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's only so much memory in the 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 heads of all of the crew on this ship that I think they can only keep like the previous two episodes in the data bank and everything else just gets ejected. Oh yeah, it's like um, I mean they're running on a, a PlayStation One uh, save game thing, aren't they? Basically, <laughs> at that time, they can only fit like fifty megs on this memory card, man. It's really primitive stuff. Yeah, and like Archer's game of Final Fantasy Seven is on there too, so they can't you know can't go too crazy on what they have to remember. <laughs> Look, I forgot about the cloaking thing when Eris died, all right? <laughs> I, I didn't was distraught, damn it. <laughs> anyway, Malcolm and Trip have got the device they've they've brought out of the TARDIS out and they're like, "Do you know what? I think this could be the black box." And I'm there going, well, why do you think that? No one's going to answer me on that one. <laughs> Apparently, we just know that now. Yeah. I mean, that you are as infuriated by them as everybody who listens to this podcast is about the things that we can't remember. Flox <laughs> 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 then calls Archer to sickbay. Archer and T'Pol turn up, and he's like, so this human, right, his DNA, it's got some Vulcan DNA in it, only a little bit. So, like, his great-granddad must have been a Vulcan. And T'Pol's all like, fuck that nonsense. Yeah. T'Pol's like, that's what we would call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a lot of her saying logic dictates that this must be impossible, and I prefer to stick with my logic. And it's like, wouldn't logic also dictate that you should adapt to the evidence prevent, presented to you? You need a job in the Vulcan Science Academy, you do. But, I mean... <laughs> You would rip shit up there, I swear to God. <laughs> so I think this is, a, this is a symptom of writers not knowing what logic actually is. Yes. And this is also why, broadly speaking, I think the 60s original series is slightly better at this because 
although there are like wild inconsistencies in, in what he means, I think more of them have a general grasp of logic than what a bunch of like, you know, Simpsons fans have in like the year 2000 working on this show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You often have Spock going, well, logic says this, but my eyes are telling me this. So logically I've got to go with the evidence and that changes what the original logic was saying to me. Yeah. So Spock does that. Only he says it in a more understandable way than I do. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are they trying to say that T'Pol is a primitive Vulcan? Or not primitive, but, you know, like a beforehand Vulcan that's not as... I mean, yes, and also no. Also, it's just a bunch of lazy Simpsons uh, Simpsons fan writers from the yeah, early okay. 2000s. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, trying to be edgy about it, I think, yeah. Just putting the word logic in their script without actually Googling it. Yeah. It's it's the same thing they do with Klingons and Honor. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of what uh, accounts for for logic is just basically sort of being, like, a bit edgy around someone's emotions. Like, it's a lot like Reddit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask what Reddit is again. I've already forgotten, and I've decided I don't care. So, because this, this human is also the result of several generations of interspecies breeding with alien races they haven't even discovered yet. Archer goes, uh-oh, this is temporal Cold War stuff. T'Pol, we're going to go back into Crewman Daniels' quarters. And why haven't they done anything about that room? <laughs> I know. Like, is there something weird in there that they, like, has he got, like, a really, like, soiled mattress and they're like, we'll come to it when we come to it, you know? And what's, <laughs> what's so awful about Crewman Daniels' room they just don't go in there? <laughs> it, it just just get his stuff out of it, send it off to a science place, and use it as a quarters for someone else again. They have a science place that they can look at this. Like they they can they just need to yeah get everything out of there and just it's not like a magical dresser box where they can go every now and again to put on different costumes and play around. Like it could be the scientific discovery of the century. Yeah, but instead they just keep it as Daniel's left it and leave his big old database of everything from the future, which is just incredibly dangerous to leave lying around in a random room and then occasionally go and look at it like they do now. They're like, oh, hey, look at all this stuff. Oh, it's, there's our ship. It's really, really irresponsible when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. The ship was taken over by aliens two weeks ago. Yeah, the amount of different species that have boarded and searched this vessel <laughs> since Daniels came aboard that could have easily found this super future fucking info bullshit schematics thing that would have led to a bunch of genocides or whatever. It's so irresponsible. Bad Archer. Bad Archer. Yeah. But they, yeah, they find the ship and apparently it has a temporal displacement drive which is why the Sulaban wants it and Archer's like, oh no, they'll be able to change the course of the temporal cold war he's even using those words now the temporal cold war yeah. and every time he says it, I want to drive an ice pick into my brain yeah, he's, he's totally and utterly sold on this uh, so this cold, cold <laughs> I, I've never really bothered to look into this too much the term cold war what what is specifically a cold war it's a war that's like what on hold kind of a cold war is kind of a war that's fought between two large powers using proxies instead of directly having conflict with each other so for right. example the actual cold war you know afghanistan vietnam uh, the first afghanistan i mean not the the american one the russian invasion of afghanistan yeah. north korea 
like there's various kind of like weird little proxy wars around the world that for on behalf of those two powers by you know the local regimes yeah so basically the temporal cold war is two time powers using the Suliban and the united earth to fight each other at the, the moment at least anyway that's and not just United Earth, because Hoshi now calls down and says, there's another spaceship approaching at high warp. It turns out the Tholians are here too. What? 20,000 kilometers in closing. Paul. The vessel's Tholian. They're extremely xenophobic. The High Command's had limited contact with them. Captain, it's unusual for Tholians to travel this far from their system. I'm getting unusual thermal readings. It's awfully warm inside that ship. More than 200 degrees. They're believed to be a non-humanoid species. Open a channel. This is Captain Archer of the Starship. Jonathan Archer. Please establish communication. Is there something we can do for you? We were sent to retrieve the vessel. I'd like to know how you heard about that ship. It is dangerous to you. Temporal radiation. Thanks for the warning. But we can't give it to you. They've locked onto us with a tractor beam. We're losing speed. Hull plating. Arm the aft torpedoes. That beam's interfering with our targeting scanners. Do you guys know the Tholians? Yeah. From other things? Yeah. So the Tholians are actually quite interesting. They they very rarely pop up. I want to say, like, yeah. maybe three or four episodes they, can, they, they appear in. They were in one episode of the original series, and then they weren't seen again until this episode. And then there's an, at least another one or two episodes that they feature in in Enterprise. Yes. They? Yeah. Yeah. Are they me- I think they're mentioned maybe in Discovery at least. Well, it, according to Memory Alpha, it turns out they were mentioned in the pilot of Enterprise, or at least their homeworld Tholia was, because it's one of the words Clang, the Klingon, was saying about the Temporal Cold War. <laughs> so the Tholians have been involved in the Temporal Cold Wars from the start. Wow. Yeah. Do we ever see the Tholians, or are they forever invisible? No, you do. Well, in the original series, you sort of just see a Tholian face, and then they do extrapolate on that later on in Enterprise. Yeah. They're actually an interesting villain in, in, in a kind of in a frustrating way. Yeah, they're, they're, they are quite, quite a good one, really, of, of like the very rarely appearing villains. I believe also that they fought on the side of the Dominion in Deep Space Nine, I have a, I have a feeling. Oh, that does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. Like in passing, like it's mentioned maybe that they're, they're on that side. Yeah, but their their appearance in the original series as well is is one of the classic episodes. Yes. It's a really good episode. Tholian Web. But yeah, we they basically hail the Enterprise, and uh, I like how they do this. They You just sort of hear them squeaking and clicking, and then a translation kicks in and, and his very robotic voice saying, you have a temporal radiation vessel. We would like it, please. <laughs> They're basically like the Volons from Babylon 5, aren't they, with their communication? Yeah. It's like a bunch of, like, interference. It was pretty creepy. Yeah, it was good, actually. I, I liked what they did with the Tholian voices, and I like their ships as well. They're just functional. Quite it's simple, great. yeah, and small. I did like their ship designs. It was one of the first ship designs I've seen that's actually stood out. Yeah. 
it doesn't just look like a generic year 2000 spaceship and the reason for that is if they've basically copied the design from the 60s and made it like a little bit different uh yeah i was i was a little disappointed they didn't do their web move in this one but i think they do later on yes, so that's, that's there will fine. be a web archer says well you can't have the ship and if they then start fire they yeah they get with a tractor beam don't they they hit the enterprise mm-hmm. and then archer says okay i will destroy the ship if you don't drop the tractor beam so they drop the tractor beam and leave losers so the Enterprise is on its way to rendezvous with a Vulcan vessel to transfer this time ship to, and then the Vulcan vessel is going to take the, the TARDIS to Earth for study. But now they're like, oh, there are multiple alien factions after it. This could be a problem. This is when they're getting shot at then. Well, before that, we do have a scene in the mess hall where Flox basically says to T'Pol what you said to T'Pol, you said to us a little while ago about, you know, logic, you could just change it. <laughs> Yeah, and oh god, just Flocks is so much better than everyone else, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the mess all scene, though, isn't it? Yeah, between yeah. those yeah. two. He just gets it. He, he don't need to explain it to him. He just gets it, and he knows that everyone else around him doesn't get it, and that he has to explain it to them. Yeah, he could probably do other jobs on this ship. He's he's quite well experienced. I bet he can fire a phaser as well. <laughs> well yeah we, he, he was in the military wasn't he he was i bet he kind of like in a very sort of dr flocks like you know passive in the universe kind of would enjoy killing someone and he'd be like hmm, yes captain it's actually quite thrilling to kill someone <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um he would love it he'd really enjoy it just to the experience so yeah there's not much to that scene other than him telling to paul you know logic is bullshit in the way you're using it anyway. Yeah, her logic is bullshit. Yeah. Back in engineering, Malcolm and Trip are trying to make the black box signal device thing work. And then like, aha, it's from the 31st century, I guess, Temporal Cold War, you know. And they start talking about, you know, if you could time travel, would you? Would you want to see the future? Would you want to see the past? And Trip says, I want to see a Stegosaurus. How's the dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> the next bit really makes me want to flip my fucking wig when Reed's like, I choose to go back to 1588 to witness the defeat of the Spanish Armada. It's like, fuck off, you British bastard. Like, do something, <laughs> yeah. do something interesting. Like, who cares? This, this is why people hate, well, Brexit, but also this is why people hate us. <laughs> he said he could go and see anything, but where's he going to see that from? The coast? Is he going to be there with binoculars watching that? It's not going to be fun. It's, it's, it's basically slowly watching men burn and drown over a course of days. <laughs> Maybe he's worked out that that's the time period if he travelled back to where he'd most likely die a slow and painful death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. But for the best part of it, like the, the actual engagement of the Spanish Armada with uh, the English fleet was inconclusive. What actually yeah. fucked the Spanish Armada is they, they kind of got caught in winds and had to kind of sail around the UK and Ireland. And a lot of the ships got wrecked that way. So there's a lot that you would have to kind of stick around and, you know, you'd have to be on a ship and he'd hate it because he's seasick and who knows yeah. what else. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? If you're in the writer's room and you're like, what, what would this character that I've created want to go back in time to witness? And you yourself come up with 1588 <laughs> watching the Spanish. 
What kind of character do you create in so boring? I get what they're doing. Like, this is an American writer's room full of American people, and they've gone, oh, right, let's find something from English history that is significant. This is actually, this will actually be pretty good. And they found the Spanish Armada, which is probably like number 10 on a list of important British events. You know, they're like, Mm-mm. perfect, just far enough down the list that it's famous. But it's not like, you know, Winston Churchill giving his we shall fight them on the beaches speech or wherever, you know. And, and they've gone, well, they, well, yeah, this is a big deal. Let's do it. And then everyone's gone, yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. Well done, everyone. But, I mean, just like ring your British mate up and you'll be like, oh, yeah. Um, what everyone really wants to see is that video of that, I don't know, like that guy talking about a cheeky Nando's. Like that would be <laughs> what, <laughs> what an actual British person would pick. You'd want to go back. Meet the cheeky Nando's boy. <laughs> like, I get it. Star Trek has, well, I don't want to say a primarily American fan base, but like, you know, a large American fan base, and that's where yeah. it's made. So I, I totally understand that they're going to gear slightly more towards that, or maybe just not bother to pander to the British as much and try and seem as accurate and all of that. But this fucking Spanish Armada in 1588, what the fuck? <laughs> He yeah, I, the fuck I agree. would give a fuck about that. I, I don't care I agree about... so much. It's so funny. But it's just it, also the fact that like there's no easy way to see it either. Like you'd either be on the sh- <laughs> on one of the ships, <laughs> which would be horrible, or you'd be like on the land, which would be like you know, that like Ken Yong uh meme where he's like looking at a tiny little bit of text and squinting and looking at it. Like you you you'd need like some pretty powerful binoculars. I guess maybe your time ship can float over it all and watch it. That would be pretty cool, I guess. But yeah, Malcolm, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, while they're talking about time travel, they start time traveling because they just keep popping back to they groundhog day it for a little bit, like the same couple of minutes over and over again. And then they're like, Whoa, and run away to Dr. Flox. And he says, Yeah, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, carefully don't get a hole in your hand or <laughs> <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. Malcolm, did you knock Trip up? Oh, no. I don't like the idea of those two getting drunk and doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be really irresponsible. They don't like each other enough. I think it depends which episode you're watching. Sometimes they do seem to like each other enough. Mm, They don't. They're just just being pals to prove to the audience that people can be pals. Archer's just told them to be friends. That's it. He's ordered them to be friends. But, sir, I really don't like him. I find him brash and outgoing. (laughs) A poop friend, sir! (laughs) (laughs) I think he stinks of piss! (laughs) Yeah, T'Pol scans the the TARDIS and says, oh yeah, look, it's it's emitting weird temporal stuff. So that's what the Tholians mentioned. Phlox just says, Ah, let's just not go near it again for a bit. <laughs> Archer orders the launch bay sealed, and then T'Pol asks to have a word with him, and she's like, I think, right, and bear with me here, that we should just get rid of this ship. We've been attacked a lot, and just destroy it. And Archer says, look, we can't do that, because like it or not, we're involved in this temporal Cold War. Not. Jonathan, no one likes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like you don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's a word that you've learned. You don't know what it means. 
He's like, so we're going to get this shit back to Earth. Oh, look at my big face. <laughs> Is they getting shot at yet? They're about to be. Okay. He does say, oh, Daniel said there were other people involved in the conflict. Maybe it's the Tholians. And then, yeah, they start getting shot at. And then they're getting shot at big time. They're getting shot at big time. And then they're like racing the Vulcans like, we can make it to the Vulcan ship and they can help us out. <laughs> Why are you speaking like this? I don't know. Because I'm bored and I'm trying to make myself have more fun. <laughs> I'm glad the podcast it keeps you entertained, Mr. Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting shot at. And this was one, to be fair, this was one of the few moments of the episode where I was actually like, oh, okay, I'm actually interested in the outcome of this situation right here. Because not only are they racing towards the Vulcan ship in a, for the need of assistance because they are about to be destroyed by all of the lasers just hitting them left and right, but then they finally arrive at the Vulcan ship and it's already destroyed. Yeah, so they're being chased by the Sulaban and they're about to get fucked up. They get to the Vulcan ship and the Vulcan ship has been, it's not been destroyed. Conveniently, they scan it and say, no one's dead, it's fine, life support's working, they just got no weapons or engines. It's been taken out by the Tholians. And then they're like, oh, fuck! Weapons and engines are the one things that we need as well. <laughs> <laughs> but then the Tholians attack the Sulaban. So that's nice. Yeah, it's a classic Tholian standoff. Yeah, they're, they're fighting each other, and then the Tholians do hit the Enterprise with one shot and take out everything. There's, the power just goes. So Archer contacts Trip and says, uh, okay, can you get the engines working? And Trip says, in several hours. And Archer says, okay, get that beacon from the TARDIS working. Let's summon the Time Lords. <laughs> And then he says to Malcolm, can we uh, remove a warhead from a torpedo? And Malcolm says, yes, but we've got to be careful. So Archie says, well, let's take the torpedo to the ship and then we'll put the warhead in the ship and then the ship can go boom, 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 bye, bye. It's like, can, can we take a, a warhead off a torpedo, Malcolm? Yes, but we have to be careful because several of those torpedoes are my wives. <laughs> <laughs> Which torpedo, sir? <laughs> Not number seven, please. <laughs> Cut to the to the weapons bay. There's just like a torpedo with a wig and lipstick on it. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying in the corner, going, "I promise, I'll change." I'll change. <laughs> oh, Malcolm, I'm disturbed. <laughs> we have made Malcolm into a very disturbing character. Let's face it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> To be fair, we only gave him a little push from where the Enterprise writers put him. Yeah, yeah. The Tholians quite quickly take out all the Sulaban vessels. There's a moment where T'Pol says, how many vessels have they taken out, Travis? And Travis goes, um, every single one. Pew, pew, pew. Then the Tholians latch onto the Enterprise. Yeah, the the warhead, when do they, they when they shoot the warhead out, don't, doesn't it, nothing happens, does it? It gets neutralised doesn't it? Well, yeah, you get more time loopy stuff because they're close to the ship, so they keep on having to take the warhead out, but a bit quicker each time. And then they do manage to get it into the temporal ship, and then they just sort of launch it out of the doors, the Tholians nick it, and then Archer's like, now detonate the warhead! And Malcolm goes, oh, but it's too close. And while I would very much like to die, sir, I wouldn't like to die this way. 
And Archer goes, fucking hell, just do it! And he tries, <laughs> but by this point, yeah, the Tholians have disabled the warhead. Oh, it was so frustrating to have that big time loop scene where I actually quite liked that time loop scene because yeah. they, Malcolm and Archer, assess that this time loop is probably not happening outside of this room and that it's actually worse for them because it's making the countdown till the Tholians can get them run down faster. So they need, they need to work faster. So they actually have to use what small memories they retain from each cycle of the time loop building this warhead to build it faster so that they can put it in. It's a very small detail that I actually quite liked. Yeah. It was pretty cool. But yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't amount to anything because the, the warhead's neutralized, then that all, all of that coolness kind of goes. Oh, okay, didn't matter. <laughs> it's still cool, but yeah. And then Trip gets the beacon working, and every the temporal ship, everything it just fades away. The corpse fades out of sick bay and flocks gives it a look as if to go. Oh, that was my lunch. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely going to eat that, wasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was as I was watching it, I was thinking he's going to eat that <laughs> if, if nobody gets that. Because <laughs> as much as I love Doctor Flox, there is a small element of Doctor Zoidberg to him as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the Thurlians just like, ah, oh, we'll leave then. Yeah, they're literally just like, fuck it, we out. Yeah, this is not <laughs> worth it anymore. Let's go. And then you get a, a scene in the dining room where Trip to Paul and Archer are eating and they're basically going see to Paul time travel is real and she's like no it's not yeah she's like kiss my ass she does not care and then Archer says hey I'm going to apologize to and thank the Vulcan High Command because of all the damage to that ship and yeah. says, yeah that would probably be a nice thing to do <laughs> send a bouquet of flowers yeah and then Archer says hey hmm do you know what what would the Vulcan High Command think about Vulcans and humans mating in the future. And Paul says, I think they're more likely to believe in time travel. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> oh, Paul. If only you knew how human television shows worked, you are being set up to go out with a human. Mm. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, look, none of us are happy anytime the Temporal Cold War rears its ugly head. But I'm going to damn it with faint praise yeah, and say I think that's my favourite Temporal Cold War episode. Yeah, why not? I'm, I'm going to go there too. There was action and a small degree of satisfaction. <laughs> that's, my, that's my short review of this episode. I, I genuinely think, take out all the Temporal Cold War bollocks, if we hadn't had any Temporal Cold War stuff, and this was Enterprise's first ever time travel story. They find this weird shit from the future. And then Mike Sussman's original ending, which was a dude appears on the bridge and goes, oh, that's my ship. And that's me. I'm dead in the future. Okay, bye. I'm taking my ship back now. That would have been better. Yeah. I'm down for like high strangeness. Yeah. Of that order. Would have preferred that. I would have made the whole body a bigger aspect of the episode as well. Yeah, the body was ultimately sort of just a jump scare, really, wasn't it, at the beginning, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's another fucking haunted house bit, I guess, <laughs> wasn't it, you know? Another spook yep. house. Which I didn't mention at the very beginning, by the way. When Archer sees that body, I know that they need to have the 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 actual, you know, reveal and have the chair turn around. But 
you can see the body's decomposed before you turn that chair around. You don't need to see the front of a body to see that it's decomposed. <laughs> you can see. You don't need to turn it around and go like, oh my God, it's gross. It's like, no, you could see it was gross. <laughs> you could already see it was gross. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I think a, a fairly... There's a, there's a pretty good first encounter with time travel story in there. It's just really, you know, they instead they did the Temporal Cold War and it just mars everything it touches. <laughs> it does. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's in its defense, and this is one good thing I have to say about it, it's not as bad as I remembered it was. I didn't remember it. I didn't, on, upon rewatching it, I didn't mind that random episode. I mean, I might have criticized it at the time, but where they find the big helix of all the Sulabon pods. Like it was, it was, even if I criticized it, I can't remember if I did or not. It was better than I remembered it was. And this one again was kind of like, Oh, at least this is giving us like a little bit of action and drawing in other elements from it. But yeah, like in my head, the temporal cold war was a lot of like that shadowy man in that. What's this guy? Not Zardos, the guy from power Rangers in the room. Zordon. Zordon. Yeah. The Zordon guy that talks to Silic. I remember a lot more of that than I've actually seen so far, and that is satisfying. Yes, no, likewise. I'm I'm glad we we've only seen him what two three times. Yeah, and that's that's nice because I don't like seeing him. Yeah, he bores me. I honestly hate the Sulaban. They're really dull. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the episode was okay. Yeah, my wife calls them the porridge people. Oh, they are kind of gross, aren't they? I feel bad for saying it. I'm sure it's like alien racist or something, but they do kind of scare me a little bit. <laughs> I don't like their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your birthday present getting replaced, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to see Elliot in a Sulaban uniform. I think that we should make him wear a Sulaban uniform. It literally looks like a leotard with sticks tied to it. <laughs> Well, hopefully that's us done with the Temporal Cold War again for a while. That would be nice, please. <laughs> Do we have anything more to say about... Is there more Temporal Cold War this season? I can't remember. How many episodes we've got left this season? Like 10? What's this? Episode 16? Yeah, this was episode yeah, 16. 10 episodes left. Oh my God, this, series, this, this season is long. I know. I know. But, but we've got less of it ahead than we do behind. Is that something? Yeah, I guess that's yes, it is. The it only is thing something. you can take of as a positive. Yeah. And to be fair, we've got some episodes I remember quite liking coming up as well. So, you oh know. yeah. Okay. We got some fun villains. Oh, that sounds like something I really want. Speaking of upcoming episodes, our next episode, Elliot, is Canamar. 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 It's only a model. <laughs> I'll give you a clue, Elliot. It's not a real word. Okay. Planet? It's certainly something Star Trek-y. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it is. I'm trying, like, to... to I will... All right, okay. Oh, there's a guy. Looks like... <laughs> is that... Oh, no. I thought there was a, an actor. But it, it's not. Uh, right, okay. Let me scroll back up to the top. <laughs> Oh, God, this sounds like it's boring as fuck. Okay. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> join us next time for that. <laughs> I haven't even done that episode yet. <laughs> this is like um, this is the one kind of episode that I think I hate more than, than any other kind of episode, and I'll talk about it next time. If I hate it, I might like it. Who knows? <laughs> Well, we, we hope you've enjoyed us shitting on the Temporal Cold War this week. Please do join us again next week. And if you are so inclined, you can check us out online in various places. Links are in the description. And I haven't done it for a while, so I'm going to beg for your five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, it really does help the show out a lot. Tell your friends as well if they like Star Trek. Or if they don't, like Elliot, they might still enjoy our podcast. <laughs> we will be back next week for more of this shit. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.